But I want to spend a moment in John chapter 11. I would like to read this entire chapter, but I don't think I will take the time to do that. Let's read a little bit here. Uh, Mr. Schofield, if you have an old Schofield Bible, you can stand if, you, if you'd like to. Uh, in, Mr. Schofield uh, puts a subtitle here on this chapter. He titles it, The Raising of Lazarus. And really, that's what this chapter is about primarily, is Lazarus being raised from the dead. But I'm not going to talk about that so much as something else that's mentioned three times in this passage that I'm interested in. And I want you to follow with me in verse number one. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. That will take place in the next chapter. Remember, John is writing this much after all this took place. Verse three. Therefore, because of Lazarus' sickness, therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, now watch this verse. Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. And he'll get up and go into Judea. And when he comes to where Lazarus has died, to the grave, the Bible said in verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Amen. Now, I want to spend a moment in this passage this morning. I want to preach to you about the love of God. Because three times in this passage we will read about the love of Christ. Let's sit down. Well, let's pray and then we'll sit. You can be seated. I'll pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Pray you'll help us now this morning. I pray you'd have your will and your way in the service and that you'll be glorified. And if you're glorified, we'll get help. Help us now in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if we take this passage, there are a great many things we could study here. We could find a lesson on prophecy concerning Israel. We could find a lesson on the prayers of God's people. We would learn a little something about praying. Man ought always to pray and not to faint. We could learn a lesson on the power of God because Jesus raised this man from the dead. I'm glad God is able to raise us from the dead. He raised us from the dead spiritually, didn't He? The Bible said, You have the quickened who were dead in trespasses. 
trespasses and sin. But what I'm really interested in this passage and what has captured my attention is the truth about the love of Christ. I'm glad this morning God loves me. Somebody said, preacher, I'd like to hear some deep spiritual truth. Well, let me give you the deepest spiritual truth I know. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. You can't get any deeper than the fact that God loves sinners and sent His Son to die on the cross for them. And you have the love of God in this passage. Now watch what it said here. It said in verse number uh, 3, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, I thought about that. They did not say, Lord, the one who loves you is sick. Now, I'm sure Lazarus loved the Lord, but that was not the emphasis of what they said. They did not say, well, Lord, uh, the one whom we love is sick. And I'm sure his sisters love Lazarus, but that was not the emphasis of what they said. They did not say, Lord, the one who loved others is sick. And I'm sure Lazarus probably loved others. He had a lot of friends that showed up in this passage, but that was not the emphasis. You know, you could get up and testify for a little while about how much you love Jesus. And I might nod my head and smile and say, well, that's good. But if you'd get up and testify about how much Jesus loved you, I could get in on that, friend, because I know that Jesus loves you and I know that Jesus loves me. And I'll tell you what thrills me, the fact that He loves us. You know, without the love of Christ, think about what this passage would be. Without the love of Christ, the end of Lazarus would have been a funeral. That's the last we'd ever know of Him, the last we'd ever seen of Him. And without the love of Christ, we can't say to our loved ones that are gone, we can't say, see you later. We just have to say goodbye forever. But thank God because of His love and because of Calvary there is a life after death. And then if it had not been for the love of Christ, this this would have been the final goodbye of His sisters. They would have had to say goodbye to Lazarus forevermore. But you know what? They said goodbye and then a little while they said hello again to Lazarus. If it had not been for the love of Christ, there could have been all the comfort that His friends tried to give Him. Would have been no comfort at all. But I'm going to tell you was great comfort when Lazarus got up and walked out of that grave. And we find him in chapter 12 sitting at the table. I'm glad we have a God who is more powerful than death, but I'm glad we have a God that loves us even through death. I want to talk to you about the love of Christ for a little while. have a whole bunch of verses I could give you, but let's just, let's just zero in on this passage. I will say this. John said this. He said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Uh, John, uh, Paul put it this way. He talked about that great love wherewith He hath loved us. It's a great love that Jesus loves us with. Now let's think about this passage. The three things I want to say to you this morning. I want to say to you first of all that the love of Christ is a pitiful love. Now, you say, preacher, what do you mean a pitiful love? Well, Bible, the word pitiful in the Bible doesn't mean what we mean when we say it today. We look at somebody that's having a hard time, we say, oh, that's pitiful. We look at somebody who doesn't seem to measure up. We say, oh, isn't that pitiful? But that's not what pitiful means in the Bible. In the Bible, pitiful means loving. Pitiful means compassionate. Pitiful means compare uh, to, to have a compassion towards someone and to comfort them. In James chapter 5, the Bible said, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And the Bible tells us in First Peter that we're to be one 
one mind. We're to have compassion on one another, to love as brethren, to be pitiful, to be courteous. And so to be pitiful towards someone means to care about them deeply and to comfort them. And I want to tell you something about the Lord. He cares about us deeply. You say, do you see it in this passage? Well, let's think about it. We see His love, first of all, in the fact that He's watching over them. He's watching. Now, I want you to notice something. They send a message to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Jesus is not there where Lazarus is. But Jesus will say this in verse 14. Look at it. He said, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, wait a minute. Nobody told him Lazarus was dead. Nobody sent a message and said Lazarus was dead. But Jesus knew that Lazarus was dead. How did he know? Because Jesus was watching them. He was looking out over them. You know what he saw? He saw the first time that Lazarus wiped his hand across his fevered brow. He saw the first time that Lazarus laid down on the bed and told his sisters, I'm not feeling well. He heard every whispered, worried, whispered word that his sisters said back and forth. Jesus saw them and watched over them when they called that messenger and said, you better go get Jesus. He saw the messenger come. He watched the messenger on the way home. He saw the moment that Lazarus took his last breath and he looked at those disciples and said, Lazarus is dead because his eye was on them. The old songwriter said, his eye is on the sparrow and I know he cares for me. And sometimes it seems as though the Lord is not paying attention, but I want to say to you, friend, uh, we that are saved with the apple of his eye, he never stops watching us. He never stops looking out over us. He always knows where we are and what we're going through. We think He doesn't know, but He does know. Not only was He watching over them, I see His love, His tender love, and the fact that He walked to them. Now, I know Jesus walked everywhere He went. I understand that. But the Bible in this passage, He'll talk about walking and He's speaking about doing the will of God. But I want to remind you, there were some times when Jesus did miracles that He did not walk to where the miracle took place. You remember one time there was a centurion with a servant. The servant was sick. The centurion came and said, Lord, my servant is ill. But he said, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof. Just speak the word and my servant will be made whole. And Jesus did. He spoke the word and the servant was made whole, but he never went there. You remember a Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus. You remember that woman of Canaan? She said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. The Bible said Jesus answered her not a word. I'll say a little bit more about that later. And she kept on. She said, have mercy on me. And uh, he said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. She said, truth, Lord, but the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus looked at her. He never seen such great faith. And he said, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole. From that very moment when she got home, her daughter was whole, but Jesus never went there. But here, they say to him, he, him whom thou lovest, is sick. And you know what he does? When the time is right, he gets up and he walks all the way. It was a day's journey from where he was to where Lazarus was. And he walked all the way there and stood at their side in their darkest hour, in their darkest moment. I'm going to tell you, friend, Jesus will not only watch over us, but he'll show up when we need him. In our darkest hour, in our most difficult time, the love of God, he'll come. He watches over them. He walks to them and he weeps with them. Here's the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35. Jesus wept. 
The Bible said in verse 34, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. The, he is weeping over them. Somebody said, well, preacher, you know, you know what uh, one writer said? He was, uh, his, I'm trying to think of his name. His name, he was a historian and, uh, he was a, a well-known man and he said this. He, he called himself an agnostic. And here's what he said. He said, if there is a God, I call him the blind, implacable hostility. Now think about that. He said God's blind, he's implacable, he can't be moved, and he's hostile. But that's not the God of the Bible. He is not blind, and the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, Wherefore we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are, and yet without sin. And the Bible said also in the book of Hebrews, It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You say, well, preacher, I've been weeping over this. I want to tell you, the Lord's weeping with you because of his love. He cares about you. He wept with them. He wept in spite of who he was. He was God manifest in the flesh. He wept in spite of what he knew. He knew what he was about to do. He was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew I was going to turn out. But he looked at those people weeping and he wept over the one they loved and wept with them. He did it in spite of all that he knew and all that he's about to do. You know what it is? It is the humanity of Christ on full display. God in the flesh weeping with sinners who weep. Now I want to tell you, friend, when you weep, he weeps with you. When your heart is broken, his heart is broken. That verse over in Hebrews touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I was reading one writer and he said, he said, let me explain it this way. That word touched. He said, if you were to take two harps and put them in a room and he put them in perfect tune, he said, when you pluck the strings on this harp, the strings on this harp would pluck in response or would vibrate in response. Now, there's no harpist here, but those strings in tune with these strings are vibrating in response. That's what that word touch means. And it means that God's heart is so, sometimes we're not in tune with his, but he is so in tune with ours that when our heart strings are plucked, his heart strings are plucked. Can I say this to you? If you care about it, he does too. If you weep over it, he does too. If you're concerned about it, he is too. That's how much he loves us. You know, I thought about my daughter Bethany's here with us. If there's something that broke, would break her heart, you know what it would do? It would break my heart. If there's something she's concerned about, I would be concerned about it. There's been times when she's wept and I've wept with her because she was weeping. I want you to understand this morning that when you weep, Jesus weeps. And when your heart's broken, the heart of God is broken. And if you're concerned about it, he's concerned. And if you care, he cares. We have the love of Christ here. Not only, not only is his love pitiful, but his love is powerful. How powerful is it? Well, raise this man from the dead. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? I want you to notice some things. His love could not be hindered. One, one preacher said this one time. I got tickled at it. He said, I had some folks that I pastored and they said, they said they would love me forever. But he said, in the words of an old country song, it sure turned out to be a short forever. But I want to tell you something about the love of God. It never runs out. It cannot be hindered. It cannot be stopped. He loves you, and He loves us with an everlasting love. You say, preacher, how powerful is His love? Couldn't be hindered by distance. The distance of those miles between Him and Lazarus 
Sometimes they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Some say absence makes the heart forgetful. I don't know. But Jesus was away, but he still loved Lazarus. Distance could not hinder the love of God, could not hinder him. And not only distance couldn't hinder him, but the, but think about, think about this, how far away he was. He was a day away. Now, I may be getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm trying to figure this out. I've never been very good at math. I wasn't good at math. But he's a day away. So the Bible said that they sent that servant. So it took a day for the servant to get to Jesus. And then he waited two days. And then on the next day, he went back and it took him a day to get there. Now, how many days is that? One traveling, two waiting. So you got three and one traveling back. That's four. Now, when he gets there, what do they say to him? He'd been dead. He's been dead. How many days? So you know what? He was dead when the servant got there. Wasn't any hope, humanly speaking. But there is a powerful God of love who got up and left anyway, even though Lazarus was already dead, and came to his side, and that distance could not hinder him. I would say this. The distance in time could not hinder him. The distance in miles could not hinder him. And the distance in understanding could not hinder him. You say, well, preacher, what's that got to do with me? Well, it's been a long time since Calvary, hadn't it? It's been a long, long time since Calvary. And where Jesus died on the cross was a long way from here, isn't it? And there have been a lot of lies told since Calvary, a lot of false doctrine spread. A lot of a lot of facts that aren't facts have been spread around. But none of those things hinder the love of Christ. And I would tell you no matter how long it's been since he died, no matter how far away he died, no matter how many lies have been told since he died, the gospel is still true and the love of God is still true and he still can save sinners if you'll tell somebody about it. Couldn't be hidden, could not be hindered, uh, could not be hindered by distance, could not be hindered by disease. Everybody's worried about disease in the day we live. We're hearing all about it. And I, I don't know. I'm not telling you not to be worried about it or to worry about it either. I'm not making a comment either way. But I know everybody's concerned about it. But I'm going to tell you, I know a God who loves you and his love is not hindered by disease. I was thinking, I was thinking about when I pastored, there was a family in our church and the man's sister came down with cancer. She had cancer and she'd been married quite some time when she got cancer and got ill. Her husband said, I don't want to be married to a woman that has cancer just left her just abandoned her and run off i thought about another young uh, young evangelist a young evangelist family and the preacher and he got he got cancer in the tongue they had to cut his tongue out and had to take take a, a, a muscle from somewhere else and rebuild his tongue so he could talk just a young man but his wife said I, i'm young and i don't want to be i don't want to live with somebody if he gets it again i'll be a widow and she just abandoned him and run off and it's like that in the day we live but i want to tell you god will never desert you in the time of disease god will never leave you when you're going through that kind of physical trouble the lord loves you too much for that his love is not hindered by distance it's not hindered by disease it's not hindered by doubt when he showed up, when he showed up, these two women, both of them said the same thing. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Can I ask you a question? You ever had any doubts? You ever had any questions? And you know what the devil do? He'll tell you, well, you doubted you. God doesn't love a doubter. Well, he still loved these two women when both of them said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, both sounds like they're doubting to me. Now, Mary, Martha seemed to have a little bit more faith. She said, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But even now, 
Say the word, I know God will do what you ask him. So she seemed to have a look, which is a little, seems odd and backward to me. She had a little more faith in this particular time than Mary did. Mary didn't say anything about hope. She just said, if I had been here, my brother had not died. So they both have a little bit of doubt. I deal with people who say, well, preacher, I have a question sometime and I have a doubt run through. Can I, t- can I say something to you? You may doubt him, but he does not doubt you. You may have a question about him, but he doesn't have any questions about you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's in your heart. And doubt does not change his love. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just trust him like we sang a few moments ago. Because it surely is sweet to trust somebody that you can trust. Let's not let doubt get between him and us. And then death could not hinder his love. He loved Lazarus. He loved him. We often talk about passing from death unto life. But did you ever think about this? Jesus spoke in his word, passed from life unto death. He said a word on this side. And Lazarus heard it on that side. He heard a word on this side. He said a word on this side of the grave. And Lazarus heard it on the other side of the grave. And when Lazarus heard it on the other side of the grave, Lazarus got up out of the other side of the grave and came back to this side of the grave. That's a pretty powerful word right there. You see, death cannot stop his love. He will never stop loving us. Death cannot stop his love. Love conquers all, conquers all boundaries. He loves the rich. He loves the poor. He loves the educated. He loves the uneducated. He loves the moral. He loves the immoral. Are you listening now? I was up in, I was up in Livonia, Michigan preaching. And there was a fellow in the church got sick and they put him in the intensive care. And so those people from the church, they, they practically moved in to that intensive care waiting room and they were praying for him. There was somebody up there praying for him night and day. And God raised him up off that death. And there was a young doctor there. I mean, I'm talking about highly trained, highly specialized doctor. I'm talking about top rung in, in as far as the medical profession. And they called that special sin to help that man. And he tried to help him, but he kept seeing them people praying, hearing them people pray. And God, he saw God raise that man up off that deathbed. And it got a hold of him. And so we were preaching one night. And he came. We had a tent meeting. He came to the tent meeting. I saw him come in. I didn't know who he was. I just saw this well-dressed man come in, sit down on the back row and he sat there and he just, he didn't he didn't I didn't see much change of expression. I didn't see any evidence much of, of anything. I just noticed him when he came in and he just sat there during the preaching. So that was the last night of the meeting and we were getting ready to take everything down. We were putting the instruments away because they were going to take the platform down. And I saw that man come up and he come up to the preacher and I was standing by the preacher putting my guitar away. And I heard him say to the preacher, he said, preacher. Well, I heard the preacher say to him first, say, hello, doc. And then he said to me, he said, uh, brother McBride, this is that young doctor I was telling you about that tried to help our our friend in the hospital. I shook his hand. Then as I walked away back to my guitar, I heard him say to the preacher, he said, preacher, he said, I got to ask you a question. He said, what? He said, he said, what I've always heard about salvation and what that fellow said about salvation, they're not the same things. And the preacher said, well, let me get my Bible. I just kept going about what I was doing. And I, I put my guitar away in a little bit. I turned back and the two of them were knelt down by the pew up on the platform. And when he got up, the preacher said, well, uh, pastor said, hey, uh, doc, tell brother McBride what just happened. He said, I just got saved like you was preaching about a minute ago. You see, nobody's too big, nobody's too little. I was preaching Boomer, West Virginia on a Sunday morning as a fellow sitting down here. And uh, when I had time for the invitation, he got up, come to the altar. Preacher knelt down with him. He got born again. He got saved. Uh, they, he stood up. The preacher said, tell him what happened. They called him by name. Tell him what happened. He said, I just got saved just now right here at that pew. Just got saved. Well, he came back that night, but he had a woman and a boy with him. And I said to the preacher, I said, who is that? back there with and I named his name 
I said, who's that with him? He said, oh, that's his wife and his daughter or his son. I said, where were they this morning? He said, oh, you don't understand. So that man's been a drunkard. He'd been a, he's been a bad drunkard. And he said his wife had left him and his family is separated and there, and, and, and it was just a bad situation. And he said, I said, well, they're here tonight. He said, yeah, he got saved this morning. Went home, called her on the phone, said, honey, I got saved this morning. I ain't drinking no more. Let's get back together. And they were there with him in church that night. You see, you got a drunk and you got a doctor. It don't matter where you are on the spectrum. It don't matter what you're seeing is. It don't matter where you've been or what you've done. The love of Christ can still change your life. You can still get saved. You can still get a second chance. You cannot be hindered. And then the love of God cannot be hidden. You know what I notice in this passage? It seems to be everybody knows that Jesus loves Lazarus. His sisters know it. They say, Lord, he whom thou lovest is dead. John knew it and the Holy Ghost knew it because he said this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And the neighbors knew it because the Bible said in verse 36, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved them. You know what? Everybody ought to know about the love of God. You told anybody lately? So the love of God is hidden. No, it can't be hid. God manifested it. And if he manifested it, that's what John said. If he manifested it, he's the only one who can hide it. So you and I ought to be telling everybody. We ought to be telling somebody. I wrote down, I wrote this down. I thought about this. Somewhere in a communist country, somebody's hearing about the love of Christ. I know there are because I know missionaries in China and missionaries in Russia and missionaries in, in North Korea. They're telling somebody about the love of Christ somewhere among the Muslim followers. Somewhere. Somebody's hearing about Jesus. I know that because I heard about one getting saved just the other day. I thought about this in a tent. Some Bedouin is hearing about Jesus. I, I know where a place where they're getting these little iPods that are solar powered and they're filling them up with preaching and the Word of God in the language of the Bedouins and the Arabs and they're sending them out in the middle of the desert and and probably, I don't know if it's going on right now, but sometime or another, uh, somewhere during the day, there's some Arabs, Arab, Arabian, Arab, whatever you want to call him, somewhere. He's sitting out there in his tent and he's got a little solar-powered iPod. And you know what he's hearing about? He's hearing about the love of Jesus. I don't know what that does for you, but it gets my heart excited. To think in places I can't ever go, they're still hearing about the love of Jesus. Somewhere in a hut, some natives is hearing about the love of Jesus. Some apartment, somebody's hearing about the love of Jesus. On some farmer's porch, he'll hear about the love of Jesus. In some cell, uh, there's a prisoner hearing about the love of Jesus. In some uh, hospital ward, there's a nurse or a doctor or a patient hearing about the love of Jesus. I'm going to tell you, friend, everybody needs to hear that Jesus loves sinners. You told anybody lately, such sin, such love cannot be hidden. And we better not be hiding it. We better talk to the Lord. We better talk to somebody. His love is powerful. His love is pitiful. And His love is purposeful. Not purposeful. Now listen, I want you to notice something in this passage. And it's very important. All of it's important. This is very important. I want you to notice something. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Look in verse 4. Watch it now. When Jesus heard that, He said, now watch it. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. You see that? Now, I want you to go down a little bit, and I want you to see. Let's read here a little bit. Verse number 6 says, When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, 
He abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples said him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. Goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things saith he, or said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. And then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleep, he do well. How be it, Jesus? Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now watch verse 15. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go on him. Now, I want you to think about something a moment. Up here in verse 4, Jesus said, this is for the glory of God. And down here, where was it? In verse 15, he said, it's for your sakes. Now, let me ask you a question. Look up here. Let me ask you a question. In our text, which came first? For the glory of God or for your sakes? Which one came first? For the glory of God. Now, here's where we get in trouble with the love of God. We think everything ought to be for our sakes. When the truth is, everything ought to be for the glory of God. And if God is glorified, that'll turn out to be for our sake. So someone will say, well, I want this, I want this straightened out right now for my sake. And Jesus say, now I love you. I love you. But what's more important than your sake is the glory of God. And if God gets glorified, it will eventually turn out to be for your sake. We get those two backward and then we get to wondering about the love of God because he didn't do what we thought he ought to do. But he did what needed to be done for God's glory and then for our sake. Often when I'm getting ready to preach, I'll pray, Lord, get glory unto your name. Because if you get glorified, we'll get helped. And God's people are always helped when God is lifted up and glorified. His love, I put it this way, his love is not impulsive. He loves for a reason and a purpose. His love is not intimidated. The, the disciples say, Lord, you can't go there. You can't go there. The Jews are going to try and kill you. But you know what? He cared more about Lazarus than his own safety. And that's love right there. And then his love is not inconsistent. He loved him when things were going good. He loved him when things were going bad. I was reading Charles Spurgeon one day. He told the story about riding through the countryside, and I can't remember if he's in a carriage or on a horse. I don't remember, but he was riding, and he came across a farm, and up on the up on the top of the barn there was a weather vane, and the weather vane said, "God is love," and it got Mister Spurgeon, the old preacher, it got him a little bit ruffled, so he got up, stopped, got up on the porch, knocked on the door. The farmer came and he said, uh, Sir, he said, I, I saw your weather vane. And the man said, Yes, sir, I built it. He said, Well, I saw it. It says God is love. He said, I know that. I built it and I put it up there. He said, Well, sir, are you trying to say that God's love is as changeable as the wind? Oh, no, he said. I'm trying to say God loves me no matter which way the wind blows. And that's the truth. He loves me when I'm up. He loves me when I'm down. He loves me when I'm right. He loves me when I'm wrong. He loves me when I'm supposed to be. And he loves me when I'm far short of what I'm supposed to be. You know what? He just never stops loving me. 
The writer, the writer of the song put it this way. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win his erring child. He reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we the ink with ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. I just want to tell you this morning, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. So why don't you walk in his love, and why don't we tell somebody about his love? I want you to bow your heads a moment. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Jesus loves you this morning. You know what? I'm going to ask my wife to come to the piano. And maybe there'd be somebody here. You've been, you've been struggling with doubt. Let me ask you to do something this morning. Won't you stop believing yourself and start believing Him? Stop trusting yourself and start trusting Him. Stop, stop measuring and keeping a list of how you love him and start keeping a list of how he loves you. Get your eyes off yourself and on him. Just let him love you this morning. He loves you. He loves you with everlasting and unchanging love. But then maybe this morning there's somebody you know that needs to hear desperately about the love of Christ. You could come and say, Lord, Would you give me boldness and give me an opportunity to talk to them about how much God loves them because they don't know and they need to know and you'd be glorified by them knowing how much you love them. And maybe this morning somebody just want to come and get on their knees and thank God for His great love wherewith He loved us. I'm glad He loves us this morning. Now, Father, You help us today. Help us in this service to glorify you. Get glory under thy name. We're thankful today that you love us. I pray you help us now. Before I end this prayer, there might be somebody this morning say, Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I sure would like to have my sins forgiven. I'd like to know I'm saved. I'd like to know heaven is my home. I'd like to know the Lord is my Savior. And I wish you'd pray for me. You lift your hand, I'll see it, and I'll pray for you. Would there be anybody like that this morning? You just lift your hand, and I'll remember it. I'll pray for you. All right, Father, you help us today. I pray in Jesus' name.